welcome back to the money episode. This is going to be one big conversation that will shift your entire perspective on how you receive, measure, and spend your money. This is the stuff that literally no one in the industry is talking about, or at least not publicly. And we really wanted to kind of lift the lid on that and peel back the veil and really dive into the conversation that can become so taboo and hidden away, but is something that needs to be said, um, particularly when it comes to how you grow and build your business. Because something that we see a lot of is this narrative of success being centered around a particular income level and I, I know when we kind of started out in the online spaces, it was the aspirational goal to have 10K months and six figure years. And now it feels almost like seven figures and 50K months have become like a new kind of standard benchmark of aspiration. And, you know, it just feels like it grows exponentially from there. But like what is missing in that conversation is that, money isn't the only measure of success. And in fact, just measuring money alone as an absolute form of just pure revenue is really problematic from a business data perspective. And that's that's one story that's missing when people are kind of talking about how much they've earned in their launches and things like that. So we're really going to dive into that today. But first, Sam, like I would love for you to speak into like what things that we also believe are as equal, if not more important measures in business than money. Mm, yeah, I would love to do that. And I think when I first started to share this, it felt really vulnerable. I was like, oh, no one's really talking about this. Like I feel like they're, all the stories are like, you know, mums in business, they have a baby and their business goes boom. And I was like, oh, actually my business has slowed down and I'm earning a little bit less than I was, you know, a year ago. And like, is it okay to share that? Like are people going to think that I'm less like of a success, um, you know, or like less someone that they are inspired by if I'm, if I'm honest with, with people, but what I, um, and I noticed like, it's really, oh, it's so easy to get caught in the like not good enough um, thing with money and business, right? If you if you do start to earn a little bit less because you may be prioritizing other parts of your life, there's like all this stuff in social media around like, you know, people having these big boom businesses with a baby and, and getting bigger and bigger. But um, what I had to do is come back to me and start looking at, well, hang on, what does success mean for me in this season? And so, yeah, for me, like success last year when I had Frankie, I knew she was going to be my last baby. So actually my biggest measure of success was like honoring um, baby Frankie's babyhood and also like looking at how supported I felt as a woman. Um, and that, like we spoke at the beginning, like there comes, there's a lot of privilege that comes with that, that I don't have to be like the main breadwinner in this season of our life. But so for me, the way that I measure success is do I feel like I'm having an, a, an impact on my community, on my clients? And and there's this big thing around that, that, you know, you need to be launching and having hundreds of people through your program. 
Mm. which I, that's not how I measure success because sometimes even like if you're working with someone one-on-one, the changes that you can support them to make will have a ripple through like their family and friends and communities. So I don't necessarily measure success by only like really, really big numbers of people that I'm working with. Yeah, Uh, I think it's like a really key point to notice too because I certainly remember a point in time where I had this hang up. Um, I think I was redoing my website and collecting testimonials and just kind of doing all of that. And it was at a time where a lot of people and a lot of peers were kind of celebrating, like I've worked with thousands of women in yeah. you know, this particular way. And I was like, oh, I've probably only worked with like 20. Yeah. And I felt really exactly like quite inferior and like, oh, well, I mustn't be that good a coach or I mustn't like blah, blah, blah. Like all the stories then that start to come into play. Yeah that we diminish ourselves. And it's like, actually the reason that I've worked and like the copywriter I was working with at the time, brilliant. Um, shout out to Mish. Like she was like, but actually that's a testament to how good you are because the reason that I'd only worked with so few people despite being in business several years is because my retention rates within my clients are so high that there was such a like longevity of relationship and also the structure and nature of my office was so intimate and bespoke that it wasn't this model of having one to many. And so, yeah, I think like it's, again, these, how we benchmark success is also determined by our business model and yes. what our offer structure even looks like. So, yeah. And our personality. Yeah. Like I think another way of measuring success is are you building a business around your strengths and your personal preferences? Like does a lot of it feel natural? Like for me, I used to think that I wanted permission granted to be like 60, 100 women and like it's going to be this um, massive community. And then I realized, oh, no, I really like to help women feel seen and heard and and to have that ongoing relationship. Like I have to cap it at 20. Like I can't, you know, Mm. it just doesn't work. And so I think also part of success in business is like, really knowing yourself and knowing what matters to you and building a business like that. Yeah. It's not just scaling for the sake of scaling. Like, yeah. 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 And the other way that I've been really focusing on success is um, self-trust. Like when your business does slow down a little bit, when you, you know, you've gone from having this epic launch and like everyone's probably expecting you to just scale and get bigger and bigger, but you actually choose like to slow down a little bit there it does you definitely like have to work on your self-trust yeah and I mean self-trust at every step of the way when it comes to business is such a big piece I feel like when it comes to putting out an offering when it comes to scaling or not scaling or slowing down or speeding up like every decision you make requires such a level of self-trust and I think that that's something that's probably not given enough credit or enough airtime like to cultivate that within yourself and that ability to to make decisions and move forward and not kind of outsource in a way to everyone else or to what you've seen on Instagram but actually trust that if a desire has come from within you or you know, you're wanting to make a certain decision that there's a reason for that and ultimately you know you better than anyone else could. Yeah. And it's like listening to yourself instead of like following everyone else on social media and seeing what they're doing and knowing as well that like social media only presents one side of life and business, right? Mm, Yeah. I'm sure I'm not really the only mum who's kind of slowed down a little bit after their 
Bub was born, but like, yeah, I don't see it being shared a lot. No. And I think you know, something that we also don't know is like where people are at before having their baby. Like yeah. that's something yes. that does play a huge part in how your business operates and also your business model. So if you have a business model that's set up that has co-coaches and a bunch of team and all of that, of course, it's so much easier for your business to continue to operate with you taking a leave of absence. Whereas if your business model is set up and it's solely reliant on you to operate in that you're the primary coach or facilitator and person that gets stuff done on the day to day, then of course it's not going to be able to do as much. And that's like, it's, that's a decision that you get to choose, right? Exactly. Yeah. And also like, I, like I still invested in my VA, in my podcast editor, like in all of my support when I, even though I was having quite a year in business because I wanted to feel that support and I wanted to still kind of show up. So um, it's, yeah, it's just, I think with every choice that you make in business, there's, and in life, there's a trade-off, right? And um, it's, yeah, trusting, like just blocking out all the noise, all the external messaging and, and listening to yourself and what you need. Yeah. Yeah. Which is hard in a really noisy world, right? It to is. come back to yourself and hear your own inner voice. Um, And I think that that's, again, like a bit of a tangent, but also a really key conversation around money is what you choose to do with it. And mm-hmm. I, I guess I've seen so many different ways that this can play out. And I probably have a very unique perspective in coming from a brick and mortar business background and also like my time in corporate before that, where it was just the norm, right? To invest significant amount of money before even starting or getting a single like dollar in ROI. And when I think about that, like with the shops, like we borrowed multiple six-figure loans and had to invest in all this gear and equipment and fit out and heaps of stuff before we even opened the doors and sold a single thing. Whereas in particularly the online business space, it's this kind of laptop lifestyle that all you need is Wi-Fi and a laptop and off you go. And while that is true and such a beautiful thing in the industry, see that it also creates a bit of a blockage in people's growth because there's this then perception of I need to earn the money or have that income secured before I can make any investments, whether it be in a VA or team or a mastermind or a coach or a course or anything like that. And so something that served me so well on my journey, but I don't necessarily see a lot of people making decisions in this way and all I can attribute it to is that experience in brick and mortar Mm. is that when I started online I had such a small amount of hours that I could work because we had the two other businesses and Charlotte was only a baby and so I spent every spare hour that I could dedicate to the business doing the revenue generating stuff so like doing the coaching and within a couple of months I had hired an OBM because I needed someone at a high level that could make sure that everything else happened because I didn't have the capacity or bandwidth to do it. And everything possible I outsourced um, and like invested in coaches, invested in masterminds, invested in programs 
every single time before I felt ready, every single time before I knew exactly how I was going to pay it off. Like I always, and I think this comes back to that self-trust piece that I trusted my future self to be resourceful enough to generate the revenue that was required to pay for that and everything else that was needed for my business. And yeah, as, as we've heard in other episodes, like that has given me such an ROI, not only in terms of the knowledge that I've obtained, how much it's like fast-tracked and streamlined my journey in business where I haven't had to kind of make a ton of mistakes to figure things out for myself. I've been able to leverage the experience and expertise of others, but also the connections that have then led to referrals, clients, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And I think there's something about like people have maybe unrealistic expectations when they go into online business. Like they, one of my clients pointed out actually like how much, how many years do we spend at university and how much money do we invest in university? But we don't expect to start earning money from that until like the fourth or fifth year. But with business, you see like three months into business, people are like, I should be like paying myself a really good wage and I should be, um, yeah, I shouldn't be investing in money like unless I'm already like earning that money in my business. And I love your example of a brick and mortar business. It's like, you know, you do have to actually invest some money at the beginning. Um, and and it does come down to that self-trust. Like for me, I know I've heard a few coaches say that it took them seven years to really get to their business to a place where they could fully replace their full-time income. And I really appreciate that. I think it's Julie from Beautiful You that has shared that before. Um, And I really, I wish that more coaches were really honest about that, you know, that, and, and so I guess if, if it does take you a long time to start like paying yourself a really good wage that you're happy with, like, that's okay. Don't make yourself wrong. Don't shame yourself about it. Mm, yeah. And and that's probably a big part of where that missing conversation is in the online space when we see all of this, these shiny posts about income levels and launch levels and stuff. It does set a little bit of an unrealistic expectation. And I think that there's an important caveat to make here is yeah. that we're not saying that this isn't possible because- I certainly have seen clients that have been able to just come straight out the gates and do incredible things, but also that it's not the norm. And so there's, there's a level of like, yeah, I think just managing your expectation around that. And what's not being shared though, is that revenue is purely money that's come in and I guess this is where I'll get like all economist on you with (laughs) my degrees and and like you know having worked in accounting firm for a very long time um it's that's just money that's purely coming in and that means nothing in terms of how much that person's paying themselves it means nothing in terms of how much that person is uh, reinvesting into their business growth or paying their team and things like that and so something to be mindful of is profit is a better metric of success. And even that being said, like you can have a certain like high, like I've seen businesses that might have a high level of profit, but that's mm-hmm. because they are being a little, and, and this isn't any of my clients, I'll just add that, but quite unethical in how 
they're getting support and paying way below minimum wages and offshoring things. And it just is quite exploitive and a practice, I guess, I just fundamentally think can be really problematic and also be something that does happen in online spaces. Um, I think another like thing that's not considered in that lens is also how people are like what people are doing in terms of their inputs to receive that money um you know I can think of examples of people that I know that have multiple seven-figure businesses that pay themselves less and work probably double to Mm. people that I know that have just like a kind of low multi-six figure business. And so again, like it sounds really shiny and sexy of like, oh, I've got this seven-figure business and it's performing at this rate. But actually, is it supporting your quality of life? Is it supporting your ability to pay yourself what you desire? Is it supporting you to pay team a like fair livable wage? And I love how you share like the example, I think you've had like women come to you who've like said that they want to go like scale to seven figures, but went then when you actually like break down what they actually want in their life and what it would take to get to seven figures, they're like, oh, actually, like, I'm happy with this instead. And, and I think it's so clever. And for me, like my mind kind of shatters in some ways to think about like, an example of a six-figure business owner and a seven-figure business owner and how, yeah, the six-figure business owner could be paying themselves more. Like it's just... Yeah, more is not always more. Be, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think people just need to be talking about it more that, um, you know, yeah, more doesn't always equal more. Yeah. And actually, as we're having this conversation, it's only just coming to my mind now. Um, and I don't know why I've never connected these dots before. But literally I have been that living example Like when Mm -hmm. our Froyo franchise business was having, you know, making that seven-figure income, what we paid ourselves out of that is less than what I pay myself now from our online business, which is in the like multi, like low multi six-figure range. So it's like, yeah, I've, I've seen that in my clients and now I'm just like, pennies dropping that I've also been there I I am that example too and my quality of life and spaciousness um you know I'm not on basically on call to a business from 7 a.m to 9 p.m seven days a week like it's yeah chalk and cheese and um yeah I think it it's something to really really consider and again with that caveat like not all seven-figure businesses are structured in that way or look like that like it's so like everything that we've discussed in this entire series is so nuanced and really what we want to do is to just poke and prod at some of those different perspectives to really allow you to see that there are multiple ways and layers to which all of these things exist. Yeah. It's so nuanced and there's no right or wrong. You know, for me, I kind of hit the six figure mark with my psychotherapy practice, but I was seeing like 16 clients a week And um, yeah, then my income has gone backwards a little bit to shift from therapy to coaching, but because of that self-trust piece, and again, there is some privilege that I don't have to be the main breadwinner right now, but it's for me, it's like I'm making business decisions based on future me, like the... Uh, the mum of two teenage girls who wants to be able to pick them up from school every day and um, yeah, keep doing the work that I love on my terms. So 
you know, if that means like, you know, slowing down a little bit at the moment to kind of get the groundwork happening for then that increase to happen in years to come and to keep that freedom, like that's kind of the decision I'm making, like I'm choosing now for that future, future me. Yeah, and it's it's like to think about it in terms of an investment, which really any business, if you look at it from an accounting perspective again, is building an asset. And if you're building an asset, yeah, you are going to put into that. It's the same as if you're buying an investment property, you're going to continue to deposit into that, deposit into that, deposit into that, yeah. <laughs> and know that it's going to provide for you in the longer run. And the same is, is, is with our businesses and being intentional about how we're doing that and knowing that this, this is a long game. It's not I, I imagine if you're here to make an impact and you're listening to this podcast, you're quite a heart-centered human, mm. that this isn't a like short flash in the pan, I'm going to do it for five seconds because it's trending right now. Like you're in business because you have gifts that you want to share with the world and a legacy that you want to create. And legacies are built over a lifetime and allowing yourself the space to do that and to know that you don't have to get to the end destination in fact there is no end destination like in a hurry um yeah yeah, it's so cliche but it is about like how can you also be embracing the journey we wanted to interrupt this goodness for a moment to share with you that we are currently enrolling into next year's slow mastermind think exhaling as you expand softening into success and inviting in both peace and profit as you create a life and business filled with richness and riches. Unlike most masterminds that either support your heart or your head, Slow is a space where both are held, a space where strategy and embodiment are woven together to support your whole self through all the seasons, especially the messy ones. A soft space to land in your business, love your life and lead bravely for results in a way you never knew were possible a space where slowing down is the catalyst for the abundance around you speeding up. Slow is a table of women we want to circle up with and share in the journey of consciously creating a deeply impactful business that doesn't cost your life and still generates a healthy profit. Perhaps it's the table you've been searching for too. If so, we'd love you to apply by heading to slowmastermind.com forward slash apply where you'll find all the details and information. To help you kickstart your journey to slow, sustained success, when you apply before the 5th of December 2023, you'll receive two bonus one-on-one coaching calls, one with Sam and one with Jess. Plus, get access to monthly group coaching until the mastermind officially commences in April. Embrace the journey and also like when it comes to spending, um, embracing your values. Like I shared a post on Instagram a while ago that had like so much amazing feedback about how Nick and I would never invest in a brand new car. Like we just don't see it as value because you lose like so much as soon as you drive it out of the um, the sales yard. But we spent like probably about 20 grand last year on like mother's helpers so that I felt supported as a mum. And, you know, like I had that amazing launch when Frankie was a baby, but I still, instead of just spending all of that, I did reinvest a lot of that into coaching and support for me in my business. So it's like, um, 
yeah and I, I don't know we don't really drink alcohol anymore like we there's a lot of fancy luxury things that you assume that a successful person is gonna spend money on but like even if I was a millionaire I probably wouldn't buy a fancy car I just it's it's just about what I value and what's important to me and that doesn't mean there's anything wrong with you by the way if you love fancy cars and if that's like one of your business goals like I would if that's you then you should totally celebrate it but I just want to start talking a bit more about like there's a lot more um there's a lot of difference out there in the in what we value and how we want to spend our money and I would rather work a bit less and have um that space and that energy to be a mom and be with my daughter and and not be able to buy the fancy car I guess yeah yeah I think to really like sums up everything that we've spoken about in all these episodes it's it's coming back to you and your values and what matters most to you and setting your metrics and making your decisions based on those like is is so key and you know for for some like a metric of success might literally be like you say I can pick up my daughters every day from school amazing like that is worth celebrating and it's just as important and you know Instagram worthy and you know worthy of celebration as any sort of revenue goal like I think that again it comes back to as well that load of caring whether it be for elderly or ill relatives or your own well-being or children but being such invisible unpaid undervalued work that we're really only ever seen to be worthy of celebration if we're flashing the cash and you know doing all the fancy things but if that's not aligned with your values then it's meaningless anyway yeah and I think that's where we've been playing with this term like unconditionally successful like I really believe that every every woman can decide that they are successful no matter what and that's not to say that you shouldn't have those big money goals like go for those but also don't forget to celebrate who you are as a human in the moment in the here and now because life's so precious right and yeah like if I don't get to have a million dollar business I don't even know if I really want a million dollar business now (laughs) from what this has taught me but you know, I, I don't want to spend my life waiting to get to that goal to celebrate myself when life is already so good. Like yeah. I, I want to celebrate each each um, phase of my journey. Mm. And I think like, yeah, I just really, again, want to like emphasize like it's not about not having the million dollar business yeah. and there's nothing wrong with that. And they can be done in such beautiful, beautiful ways. But yeah. it's being really clear about what you're willing to and not willing to trade off along the way. It's like, I only want a million dollar business if I'm able to get there with peace and presence. Like I'm there things that I'm not willing to sacrifice in the name of like income and profit. And so deciding that, deciding that like my success is conditional, like yes to the money, but it's conditional on how I feel in that process. Yes. Yeah. And I think it's interesting because this year, it, it kind of comes back to that slow down to speed up kind of concept because it's been really sad to see quite a few like really big name businesses shut down this year because of burnout yeah. and like some of them did have really, really fast success, but at what cost, mm-hmm. you know, and this is something I think about sometimes when we, we, we like, if we push the ideal that your own that the only way to do business is to grow up really, really quickly, it often does come at a cost which slows us down later in life. Yeah. Yeah. And again, it's that same 
narrative, right? That just like I got hung up on how many clients I did or didn't have in my like whatever list. Um, yeah. That if you're taking two years to get to this level versus five years to get to this level versus 10 years, like it's again like this kind of ego thing of, well, I got there in a year, so I must be a better coach or I see a thousand clients, so I must be a better coach. But actually like it's it's just we're all starting from different starting points and we're all running very different races. Yeah, exactly. Run your own race and not every season needs to be bigger and better. Yeah. Yeah. You know, sometimes we actually, it's a beautiful question to ask yourself, like, do I want bigger? Like remembering that bigger doesn't mean better or do I want more depth? And I think there's seasons for both, right? Isn't there? There's seasons where we want to expand our business and grow and call in more clients and cash, but there are seasons where we maybe want to go a bit deeper, go a bit slower. Yeah. And even if we think about that from that economic cycle point of view, because when I was working in consulting, there was, we were at kind of the top of the boom period where everyone was doing amazing. And so clients and cash, everything was just kind of coming in very effortlessly and you didn't really have to put anything into it. And so often like people were kind of just, they got a little lazy in how they ran their business. There wasn't much kind of thought, intentionality, anything like that. And I'm talking like big corporations here, not online kind of small businesses. Then we hit the downturn and the kind of bottom fell out of the economy, so to speak. And a lot of that work and clients and contracts and things like that started to just disappear. And there were quite a few people in that instance that panicked and were like, oh my gosh, like there's no money coming in. So we're going to just like cut back everything and basically like stop spending, kind of pull their business to like a grinding halt and moved on with like the very bare minimum. And then there were other businesses though that saw that as like, this is a beautiful time to consolidate and catch up. And those businesses actually focused on reinvesting in their business, on bringing in consultants and experts to help them up-level their systems, to like streamline their operations, to enhance their like marketing, like just every aspect of your business, which as you can imagine, when you're in busy booming times and you're so busy in service delivery, your your back end can become quite messy. And this translates very, very well for online businesses. Like I've seen people in that fast growth stage where they're kind of just doing all the client fulfillment work, but there's like a mess behind the scenes in their like Google drives and systems and everything else. And so the businesses that took advantage of that time and actually saw that as a season to like you say, go deeper, look within, consolidate, optimize, and weren't scared to invest in that. As the cycle picked back up and we're moving back into more boom times again, they were so primed to take advantage of every new opportunity that was there as opposed to the businesses that like contracted and just put everything on hold because they then was scrambling to be ready to take on new work or to bid for new tenders and things like that. And so I I share that because we are in kind of interesting economic times again. And like you say, like it's, it's knowing that there's seasons and cycles both within ourselves and our lives, but also like on a um, macro level economically and what you do in those times is what can set you up for 
you know, future harvest, so to speak. And so, yeah, I, th I think that that's something like that's really worth considering and bringing to the fore from that economic perspective, from what I saw in corporate, having worked through that entire, an, an entire economic cycle. And, you know, now what we're seeing in the online spaces that it, it is worth considering, like, if clients maybe are slowing down for you right now, or you're not necessarily having the growth that you are desiring, how can you harness this time to actually set yourself up for when clients are ready to come back into your world? Mm, I love that, Jess. And I just want to add to that, that I think to be able to do what Jess is encouraging you to do, you need to be able to do some inner work there around, well, how do I break my, like separate myself worth from the the business metrics so to speak because if your um, self-worth and the way you view yourself and your identity is really tied up with how much money you're making how many clients you've got how often you're selling out your programs then it's going to be so hard to keep going and and do that kind of slow steady work that Jess was describing so mm. and, and that's where the self-trust and the self-worth are so important when you're navigating those different seasons yeah yeah totally D just it's it's e so much easier said than done when you yeah, uh, are a kind of solopreneur or a solo like entrepreneur and your business is you and you're a personal brand but really realizing that it is also a business and as a business it is going to be susceptible to trends and cycles and that's got nothing to do with you or what you're doing or not doing but there are decisions that you can make in those times to best support yourself. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And like, I always think something that helps me a little bit is like worst case scenario. What would I do? I was having this conversation with a client um, on Boxer the other day. And um, it's like, I am the kind of person that if, if things really hit the fan, I would go and stack shelves at IGA or, you know, I would go and get a job. Like, and, that sounds kind of negative to think that way, but actually I find for my nervous system, like looking at what the worst case scenario is and then imagining it and recognizing, Hey, I'm really resourced. Like I've been working since I was 14. I've got an incredible social work background too, but like, even if I didn't have that background, I would just make it work. Mm -hmm. um, of course it was not my dream. Like it's not what I want. <laughs> it's, it's just good. It feels safe in my body to know that, Hey, like there's always an option yeah. Yeah. I, I have had experiences where I've taken myself back to that too, because it does, yeah. it just creates that level of, of safety of like, okay, hmm. where I, where it's not what I want to do, but it would be okay. Yeah, it would be okay. And it's like, you know, so it's like business. I have quite a few of my clients who choose to still work part-time while they're growing their business. And they sometimes feel like they're less than people that have quit their job and gone all in. But I actually think like it can create such a sense of safety and it doesn't make you any less successful if you're working in a part-time job or something like that to kind of, you know, have, have that second source of income. It doesn't make you any less than. No, in fact, I actually find it to be the opposite. Like it makes what you create more potent and meaningful because you are actually creating from a space of sufficiency and therefore like you're creating from that place of safety as opposed to feeling like you're dysregulated and there's pressure to earn and 
now now you have to kind of create something that's going to be quote unquote marketable and saleable and all of that sort of stuff. And so what generally emerges is a lot more authentic. And I even realized that about myself in my own business, because when we decided to shut down the brick and mortar businesses up until that point, like my business, it, it was just kind of my outlet really. Like it didn't actually need to exist. We had revenue from the other business and certainly that was occupying a lot of time, but like this work felt really meaningful to me and I wanted to do it for purely the sense of purpose that it gave me and the connection. And it it was so just beautiful and flowing. And as a result, like was success successful quite quickly. Um, but then there was like this turning point when we decided, okay, let's close down the brick and mortars that now all of a sudden my business was responsible for making the monthly repayments of the loans to those businesses that we shut down that, and I didn't realize it at the time. It's something I've only just kind of in the past six ish months become attuned to that. There was that energetic shift in going. Now there's this like responsibility on my business. Now I have to think about my decisions and make the like most quote unquote like strategic decision and like make sure I'm like making the right decision and that in itself led to so much overthinking so much externalizing and looking out to other coaches other strategists etc etc to like validate decisions that I was making and choices that I was taking in my business um rather than how it was prior to that and how it has been since that (laughs) awareness moment of allowing myself to just trust me and be in my business and allow it to be that beautiful, like creative expression, knowing that I know what I know and I know my strengths and I know my community. And when you marry all of those three things together, you can't not create something that's impactful. Yeah. And there's such an energy shift there. I remember when I started my private practice, my mentor said to me, even when you need new clients, like when you first start out as a psychotherapist, I think I had like two clients, right? Um, So when you get a new client coming to meet you, you kind of have this energy of like, oh, you want them to like, you want them to feel like they want to work with you. But I swear when you have that energy, it like clients can tell and it it puts them off. So I remember at the beginning when I needed clients, I had that energy and not every new client would decide to work with me. And then once I was fully booked, like every single client that saw me would be like, yeah, yeah, I want to keep working with you and would often like work with me longer term and it was because my energy had shifted and so now even if I do need new clients I try to approach it with the energy of actually you know it's like I'm okay whatever they decide you know Mm -hmm. if I've got a client on a connection call or something if they decide that they want to work with me that's okay if they don't they don't you know and it's a it's like quite a powerful shift isn't it in how you show up Yeah, absolutely. And I know that that could be a whole conversation itself. And I feel like we're coming to the end of this series and there are so many more conversations to be had. So if you have enjoyed this and you want to keep hearing more, let us know because, um, yeah, could be a potential project in the pipeline because it's been so fun to just dive in and have these conversations. And yeah, as I said, so many more things that we could chat on. Um, 
But for now, if you have any takeaways or insights from today's episode or any of the episodes that you've listened to, we'd love for you to come and connect and share them with us on Instagram. I'm at jessmiller.co. And I'm at Samantha Jew. And we're both at The Slow Mastermind. I'll have all the links in the description below. Um, But we would love to hear from you. Thank you.